Good afternoon, everybody. I'm sorry I was not able to share an answer with you to Wednesday's question yesterday on Thoughtful Thursday, but I want to make sure that you go into Shabbos with peace of mind and calm, so I don't want anybody to be nervous that they don't know the answer to the question from Wednesday. So briefly, just to recap what the question was, the Torah at the end of this expiration refers to the tefillin that we put on our head as Totafos says it should be a totafos beninecha, a totafos between your eyes. And Rashi quotes the Talmud that the word totafos comes from a word in the ancient language of Afriki, possibly some African language, where tot means two in Afriki, and fos comes from some another ancient language called kapsi, which means two in kapsi. So tos. And fos both mean two in some foreign languages. Two plus two equals four. There are four compartments in the head to fill in. That's how we get the name totafos for the head to fill in. And the question was, why would we name one of our greatest symbols of Judaism, the tefillin, which, which have the Shema, the Jewish national anthem in it, why do we name it after some, why do you use some foreign languages to give it a name? Especially since the Torah itself has gives it a Hebrew name a few a few lines earlier. The Torah calls it a zikaron, a remembrance between your eyes. So if there's no proper word for it in Hebrew, we'd know there is. They use the word zikaron. How come we have to go to a foreign language to find the word for the tefillin? So I want to share with you an answer that I saw in an article by Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky, the Yeshiva of the Yeshiva of South Shore. And he starts with a story about a guy named Stephen Savitsky. Steven Savitsky is the CEO of a company called Staff Builders, one of America's leading home healthcare providers. And he spends a lot of time, at least pre-COVID, he spent a lot of time traveling all around the country, all over the world, different meetings, etc. So he's flying once, first class, of course, flying from Baton Rouge out to Wichita, Kansas, and sitting next to him there in first class, is this large guy, thick gold ring on his pinky, a thick gold chain hanging loosely from his neck, chewing an unlit cigar, you know, immersed in some sports magazine. As soon as the light, uh, as soon as the seatbelt sign was turned off, he ordered two drinks. Totally absorbed, immersed in his magazine, not paying attention to anybody around him, let alone the uh, the neatly groomed man Stephen Savitsky, who's who's sitting next to him. They begin the dinner routine. Stephen, an observant Jew, of course, got his kosher meal, his kosher dinner. The guy next to him got the standard first-class version of the, of, the, of the standard dinner that was being served. And the smell of glazed ham wafting over from his seatmate's food tray made it hard for Stephen to eat his kosher food. But what can you do? That's what it is. He finishes eating. Stephen pulls out a sitter, a prayer book to start benching doing the Berchat Hamazon after his meal. All of a sudden, the guy sitting next to Stephen perks up. He notices the sitter, the prayer book, and he shouts out, Hey! Wait a second, is that a Sidor? Steve said, Yeah. Do you want to see it? Do I want to see it? shouts the guy. I want to use it. Do you know how many years it's been since I saw a Sidor? 
Give it to me, please. Stephen handed it over to him. The man grabbed it. He kissed it, stood up in his seat, and began to shake and shout, Baruch Hu Hashem HaMvorach. Everybody looks around, see what's going on, staring at this guy. For the next 10 minutes, this man stood shaking away, you know, shaking back and forth like the, the way we do when we dive and when we pray, and belting out word for word the entire mire of prayer, the evening prayer, not noticing anybody else around him. You know, going back, obviously, to his childhood, the back to the yeshiva that he had been as a young boy, with a little bit of pride that, you know, there's a Jew here that is reconnecting, Obviously, some embarrassment mixed in. Steve watches this guy pray. The man finishes praying and hands back the sitter to Steve, thanking him profusely for giving him the opportunity to pray something he hadn't done in many, many years. Steve said to this man, he said, You know what? I have plenty of sitters at home. Here's a gift for you, a memento of this Delta flight to Wichita, Kansas that we're on together. You could please, you could keep my sitter, have it as a gift. So suggests Rabbi Kamenetsky that maybe this is why the Torah gives Tefillin a foreign name. The Torah is trying to teach us that no matter where a Jew may be, whether the jungles of Congo, the Coptic Islands, the Jewish symbols will be there to remind him to come home. The Torah's observance is not relegated to any specific geographical location. In Israel, in America, in the middle of a big Jewish community, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, the Torah can be and is meant to be observed. And no matter where a Jew finds himself, there are symbols to remind him of his Judaism. For there's that pintalyid, that special spark, that Jewish soul that's waiting to be kindled. Stay warm and have a wonderful Shabbos.